Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 279 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm awesome, Joe. I'm well-rested. The sky's sky's bluer, grass is greener, the air's fresher. Everything's better now. The birds are chirping. Bees are trying to have sex with them for some reason. Yes. (laughs) Not really sure. Um, Yeah, so I'm glad... um, Whatever recent problem you've folded into your life, you've folded out of your life. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it, it's it's you know what? Like I like I told you off the air. I I had a good couple week run, but I've I've just it's a well deserved vacation now. Mm, there you go. Yes, that's that's a that's a positive way to look at things. Yes, and I'm ready to throw all of my efforts and all the. The hard work that I would put into a normal job I'm throwing into this podcast now. Mm. You're going to take over the editing and the uploading and the posting and the hosting and all that jazz? Oh, let's not go crazy here. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Got to ease okay. back into things. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, listen, no easing into anything. Let's just get right down to business. Let's uh, Let's start the show. No screwing around, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. On this day, wrestling history, 38 years ago. And again, I know Adam doesn't like his old wrestling, but he's going to. All right. Listen. So there was an event that took place emanating from the Boston Garden. It aired on Nessun. For the good people in the New England area, uh, this event featured such contests as leaping Lanny Poffo against Paul Christie. Is that the C- governor of New Jersey? No, no. It's, uh, it's not. It's not the same guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, C.V. Offie, whose name we just saw on TV, uh, taking on Barry O., uh, George Steele taking on Tiger Chung Lee, Hillbilly Jim versus Big John Stud. Yes, I'm talking about how shitty some of the uh, old WWF house shows used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was two more key matches on this show. I think we talked. Uh, we might have talked. I, I forget where I talked about it. I might have talked about it here or somewhere else. But the one of the matches on the show was a singles match of Bruno Sammartino taking on Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, and this is one of the few quote unquote singles losses that Roddy Piper had in his entire WF run. Okay. It's, it's one match against Snuka during the feud. It's one match at a TV taping against Mr. Perfect. It's the WrestleMania where you lose the IC title to Mr. Hitman. And it's this, and that's it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I in my mind, for whatever reason, I feel like he was the guy to take the pins from Hogan and whatnot. But, you know, now you're saying it. It was always in tag matches. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, and and this is one where we are, you know, 38 years ago, we are fresh off the New England Patriots losing in the Super Bowl to uh, the Chicago Bears. Piper comes out. Wearing a Jim McMahon jersey, puts <laughs> posters of all the Chicago Bears up in the cage. Bruno comes out, beats the shit out of Piper for about 10 minutes. Piper does one of the most blatant blade jobs you'll ever see in the history of blade jobs. 
And the way that those matches would work is this, like, Bruno was the escape the cage guy. So he just beat the shit out of Piper and then left him laying and walked out of the cage the, the winner. See, I, I heard recently that means he ran away from Piper. Well, again, you know, people, <laughs> again, people are so used to the way that cage matches were in every other territory. You know, I, I forget who they were talking about. And I think it was Tim and Marcus on Final Wrestling Place. Um, you know, they're not olds like me. And, like, they made these cage matches like this specifically for Bruno as a way to, like, it was essentially to get one more match because if it, like if they brought you in to do a program at Bruno at Madison Square Garden, if it didn't do well, you got your one match. If it did OK, you'd get three matches. If it did great, you'd get the fourth match as the cage match where the first match where it's like a disputed finish. Second match, it's like not a clean like Bruno wins, but it's not a clean finish. Third match is Bruno gets the clean finish, but if there's still some heat, this was so that, that the people could see Bruno just kick the shit out of the guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, they wouldn't have to take a pinfall. They would just get left laying, and Bruno would walk out of the cage victorious, and that's, you know, how the escape the cage rules started. Sounds to me like we are definitely four years away from real wrestling being invented. <laughs> well, there's a mo- there's another moment on this show that I have a clip from. Uh, And that would be from, we're going to take you to the closing moments of it here, but this would be Tito Santana defending the Intercontinental title against a relative newcomer here in the World Wrestling Entertainment, and that would be uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, young upstart. was tights. I don't think you got a chance to get anything if there's anything there. Oh, look at that. Nice counter move. By the challenger. The macho had to do something. Look at look at Santana. He's obsessed with getting that figure four leg Boy, lock he here. He wants it bad. He knows he can slap it on him now. Look at it. What's he doing? Hopefully he needs to tuck his shirt in. Wow. Savage going down into his tights. He's got something in his hand. He missed it. He missed with it. Oh. Oh. Look at this. Oh, he didn't miss that time. He, he drove that right into Santana's. We got a new champion. I can't believe it. We got a new Intercontinental Champion, Monsoon. He just threw it outside the ring, Jess. Whatever it was. He had something in his right hand. He threw it outside the ring. Put it away. Cameraman's a snitch. I believe we have a a new champion. I believe, Gorilla. Referee Danny Davis talking to our ring announcer. Possible history could have been made here. Let's go up and find out. Wait for the official announcement. And new Intercontinental Champion, Randy the Macho Man Savage. There you go, it's official. Here in the Boston Gardens is Randy Savage, the Macho Man, Knox Cole Champion, Tito Santana, but not without something out of his tights, Jess. Now, you remark about the referee there. You heard them say that was referee Danny Davis. Mm -hmm. So this is the beginning of, like, the Danny Davis heel turn. And him becoming a wrestler as part of the Hart Foundation. Mm, okay. I, okay. I believe you because you're saying it, but I don't remember any of that. <laughs> okay. So Danny Davis looks like a schlub here. Um, he's the only referee in WWE that's wearing long sleeves. 
because he has tattoos and, you know, Vince didn't like to see tattoos on a referee, God forbid. And he's also refing wearing khaki pants as opposed to, like, black pants like a referee normally would wear, right? Mm. Whether it was intentional or not, um, you know, it's supposed to be that you notice and remember it's Danny Davis. Now, Danny Davis also at this time was wrestling, like, as a job guy, as, like, the executioner or the spoiler, like, like a random mask guy, you know? Okay. Where you need, like, the aforementioned Paul Christie and somebody else to, like, take a beating from the killer bees, you know? <laughs> okay. So this is the last match that uh, Danny Davis refs until the next match that he refs, months later, the British Bulldogs defending the tag titles against Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Okay. And that's when they do the official turn. He helps them. He gets barred from refereeing for life, which ends up being two years. And he ends up being a wrestler who's like wearing like a one piece bodysuit that looks like a referee's outfit. <laughs> Can I see a picture of that? Do you have one on hand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Let me just thumb through all of my uh, dangerous Danny Davis. Uh, you might have to hook up your hard drive that you keep for for just such purposes. So there, there he is in his wrestling outfit. Oh, Jesus. I've never seen that before in my life. Oh, my God. I Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I Again, love how this... it automatically suggests a picture of Dean Douglas down there. Wow. <laughs> as potentially a match. Close enough, I say, right? Yeah. All right. So, again, I know you love that old wrestling, but it's Macho Man, right? Yeah. No, I was half expecting just because, like, I didn't know when Macho won the Intercontinental Belt. And this is just a bullshit you know, house show in New mm-hmm. England that it would be like, oh, a, a schmoz where the, you know, the referee would like find the foreign object and it was going to get reversed. That's why I thought you were saying, oh, wait for the official announcement. Well, I was I was saying all the gorilla isms of yeah. relative newcomer here in the world wrestling entertainment. We you know even though we've very clearly seen the guy get pinned and his hand raised, gorilla had always like, well, we got to wait for the official announcement, Jess, you know, gotcha. <laughs> All right, so speaking of the Intercontinental title, let's flash forward six years. 32 years ago, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment held Saturday night's main event. And just to show you how well uh, World Wrestling Entertainment is doing at this time, uh, Saturday night's main event is now an hour long instead of an hour and a half. And it's no longer on NBC. It's on the burgeoning Fox network. Oh, well, you know what? They're condensing it. It's a more action-packed hour. It's like sure. It's like WWE speed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So if you remember last week when we discussed, we had the big press conference. Um, You know, we'll talk more about more recent press conferences here shortly, where they announce who is going to be taking on Ric Flair uh, at WrestleMania. It finds out that it's Hulk Hogan is going to be doing so. Sid afterwards cuts that scathing promo on Hulkamaniac. Um, this episode of Saturday Night, so again, in the, in the logistics of things, this episode of Saturday Night's main event was taped, uh, two weeks prior, and then that airs on TV. So, like, if you were at this show, like, I guess, like, you were super confused, but, like, just watching it on TV, it all makes sense. But the main event of that Saturday Night's main event was Sid and Hogan teaming up to take on Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Okay. Hogan reaching for the tag. Here it is. It. Oh. No. 
Gwyneth Beefcake spinning. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, don't hit him, please. This will be like a hockey game. It'll be a face-off if he touches Beefcake. I guarantee it. Help himself. Did you hear what Justice said? He wants Hogan to help himself. If he had hit Brutus Beefcake, Beefcake's face would have been shattered once again. Brutus has no business at ringside. Brutus has no business any place. Take a walk, Justice. He doing the right thing. Did you hear what he said? Meanwhile, the double team effort continues. Hogan reaching. So. Very unlike Bobby to be like, get lost, Justice. He should be like, yeah, that's right. Abandon Hogan. Like, that'd be more of a Bobby thing. Right. Well, he, he got his line in there about the face off with the uh, beefcake, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so also on this show, um, at Royal Rumble, uh, Mr. Uh, Roddy Piper defeated the Mountie for the Intercontinental Championship. And uh, here, the Mountie is going to get his rematch. Okay. We're going to take you to the closing moments of this one. Join the match already in progress. Right. And, look, and let me know when this starts springing to you. Mountie had jumped Piper before the match, and Roddy never got a chance to take his shirt. Okay. Yeah, I know what's happening. <laughs> He's biting his ear. <laughs> oh, ref bump. deliberately hit the referee. He did not. He did too. I thought he knocked him down purposely. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, there goes Piper. Pile Dragon coming at you. Good news. The Mountie is the next Intercontinental Champion. Watch. Watch this man. The referee is there. He's down. What is going on here? Jimmy Hart with it. Stay hydrated. Jimmy Hart with it. Uh-huh. And then he's going to make him count to three. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. The Mountie now with a cup of water. going over to Piper. What's he doing? He dumps it on Piper. That doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Piper's up. Can it be? No effect at all. Right hand. The stick in the air. Piper has it in his head. The referee is still down. Something smells funny to me. Sidney Hart over the top row. Roddy is now immune to electricity. I love it. We heard the electricity sound. Yep. Come on, referee. Get up. What should he do? He should let him go. like a Looney Tunes. <laughs> nope, referee's okay. Kick the legs. Double legs. Wait a minute, what's this? Uh-oh, what's this, Bobby Heenan? He's got one of those, uh, he's got a bulletproof vest on or something. He's got a what? Ah! Shot. <laughs> just, just in case. <laughs> I want to get a, a vest slash shirt that looks just like that. There has to be like some kind of like, you know, boutique t-shirt site that'll make that, you know? I would, I would wish I, that would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> it can but, have like, sleeves on it, but it just has to have that blue and black pattern with the white shockproof across the chest. Right. I, I want to know who the person in creative services that had to make that and put that together. You know? Yeah. 
Now, there is one other thing that happens on this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. I'm joking before it's on Fox. It's an hour long or whatever it is. But this is how this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event goes off the air. With my wife, and he did it. What's this? So, Liz and Macho in the ring, Jake at the curtain saying it's not over yet, and we don't know what that means until we tune into TV next weekend. This is my golden age of wrestling before the Attitude Era, you know, so I remember all this fondly. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, only two years into the creation of wrestling, so I would expect (laughs) it's still early. You know, I'm not bogged down with decades of continuity like I am now. (laughs) <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. And, and no one knows the continuity of professional wrestling today better than you, I would say. This is true. <laughs> now, we also have 25 years ago, under normal circumstances, head to head Monday Night Tro versus Monday Night Raw. But even as hot as things are, WWE is still being preempted by the Westminster Dog Show. Those fucking dogs. God damn it. So we've got an unopposed. Three hours, Nitro, they got the night, they could get all the wrestling fans involved, they could pull out the big guns, the big crazy angles, and everything else, but Adam instead they do all this. It's about time, Vince. What happened last week, Hollywood? No, no, no brother, man. brother, that's Come on, over. man. That's over. I'm sorry. It's a new day. You know, but I watched how you yes, took control of the situation. I watched. Yeah? How you led those guys, man. Yeah, now I that think. I've seen, you haven't dropped the ball on me one time. No, no, for life, man. It's for life, man. You know, brother, I get this red and black thing under control. We're all on the same page. I yeah. want you to be the leader of the black and Who, white. me? Yeah. Oh, man. Between you and me, I'm the QT. Don't slap people around. Don't bust anybody no, up. No, I know no. you can do it. Keep it together, man. You got the killer instinct. I know you're a leader. On the QT, look at these guys like they're your children. Okay. And we're going to lead them to the water yeah. and make them drink. I'm the daddy. You are the daddy. You okay. on the team? Yeah, I'm here. I'm I here. I love you, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, man. For life, man. For life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, bad, uh, Terry. I hope Hogan. we never hear his thoughts about people. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Hogan, uh, yeah, again, Hogan's reaction there after kissing uh, Virgil on the head, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Adam, that's your main event angle, right? You know, we've got our B angles and stuff. You know, we got U.S. title matches. We got okay. Mr. Mr. Hitman defending the title. And again, how history repeats itself. 1992, Roddy Piper's the Intercontinental Champion. He's going to WrestleMania to defend that title against Mr. Hitman. Now here we are in 1999. Mr. Hitman's the U.S. Champion. He's defending that title against Roddy Piper on Nitro. It's the circle of life. Piper hit the backdrop suplex, but was slow to cover, and Hart was able to kick out at two. Now he's begging off. No shockproof vest this time. Oh, I was just about to say, it still looks good, though. And Lordy Man kicked him in the gut, did Piper. Looks better than Yeah, he does. Okay. And the Piper back and forth, they go right and left. He missed the roundhouse, we've got Piper Oh, come on. Referee Mickey J, there was a collision in the corner. Oh, both men go down, and there's Will Sesso, who was the brunt of the brutal attack that we saw earlier on videotape. 
Bret Hart's going for something, it looks like to me. I believe you're right, digging into the tights. He in his right hand. Check his right hand. Inside Crater. Referee's out of position though. Out of position, the referee's out. That's what you call out of position, That's I guess. I meant that's out of position. Oh, he got him good with it. Every one of match. That's what trying to get this uh, referee Mickey J uh, revived here. Meanwhile, Piper suffering the brunt of this illegal object by. Oh, we got by Bret Hart. Hart trying to get the referee. In. Oh, we got a twirl. Mickey J is in tug of war between Sancho and Hart. And a roll up. Piper. One, two, three. Good triumph over you. In the middle of the ring. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. He's got the goal. Now, thanks to our good friends over at Between the Sheets, there's a little bit more to this storyline than uh, meets the eye here. Okay. So the plan was Brett was going to keep the U.S. title uh, and head into uh, Halloween Havoc eight months from now and defend the U.S. title. Like, and they were going to do Brett as the U.S. champion against Hulk as the world champion, right? Okay. Nash is now the booker. Nash decides that don't work for me, brother. He <laughs> this is a period of time where he's not getting along with Mr. Hitman. So they do a bit here where they put the US title on Roddy. And then Roddy is gonna lose the title in two weeks to maybe someone who's part of Nash's crew. And maybe we'll find out sooner than later of what um fate befalls poor Mr. Hitman during this uh, WCW run. I hope everything's going to be okay for Mr. Hitman. Spoilers, it's not. Now, as much as the top of the card is shit, Adam, there might be some other things going on in the show that are of interest to you and interest to me, right? All right. So we get a, a debut on this episode of Nitro. First time we, we see this person in World Championship Wrestling. Nay, wrestling, period. <gasps> I saw you with those guys over there. They are so cool. And you are so fine. Thank you. Got a limo parked outside. Let's go for a ride. Don't you want to come sit next to me? I know you're not shy. I've seen the oh. way you act on TV. <laughs> I promise I won't bite. I've watched videos that are like this before. I smell too much. <laughs> come here. It's not my joke. Somebody else said it that um, as Booker of WCW, uh, Kevin Nash invented point of view porn. <laughs> what are you laughing for? Trust me, you have nothing to be nervous about. Are you coming? No comment. 
Mm, again. <laughs> Seems kind of hot in here, isn't it? What? I don't think I'm trying to seduce you, do you? Sit down. Sit down. I'll be right back. Oh, Adam. Where, where, where's the rest of it? That's it. That's all there was for this week's episode. No, no, but make it next week already. <laughs> well, one will then be now soon. How about that? Oh, all right. So I give a little bit to you. So that means I get a little bit for myself. All right. Again, this is. To, I was just gonna say I might have to rewatch that last part a couple more times before next week. I'll send you. So that's the debut of Tori Wilson. Her original name ends up being Samantha, which they drop after like two weeks, and they just like call her by her real name. Okay. With no explanation as to why they were calling her Samantha. Um, do you know who she's supposed to be talking to? I don't. Not in that context. All right. Well, I don't want to spoil it then. We'll. All right. That's fine. Yeah, I won't look into it. I'll just imagine more of what I just saw. <laughs> so again, a little something for Adam. Now a little something for me. This is ridiculous. How many homes they got? <laughs> oh, hey. God, you're here, Chris. I am so worried about Scotty, and he can't be left alone. And I am so late for a board meeting. You've got to stay here with him. Please say you will. And please, please, Chris, don't let him leave the house. Stay All with right. him. All I'll right. be back as soon All as right. I can. Thank you. All right. Ah, you walked into the camera. <laughs> hey, Rave. Your mom's real worried about you. So am I, man. There's a lot of people are. You, you gotta break out of this, man. What a mark. <laughs> Canyon, you ever heard the expression that money can't buy happiness? Yeah. Well, obviously, that was written by some really poor guy. Follow. <laughs> Don't you always depressed? What's there to be depressed about? I got cars like these. These are yours? Yeah. And why we always drive around a piece of crap? He don't get it. Because it drives her crazy. Get in, Canyon. Come on, we got stuff to do. What is that? <laughs> I've never even heard of it. What are we doing here? I never heard of it. It's Versace. It's Versace. What a maroon. Go on, I'm buying you some clothes. I'm buying me clothes? Mm. Huh? Mm. Mm. <laughs> You've seen this before, yes? Yes, I have. It's just been years. <laughs> oh, nothing like a good try-on montage. Are oh, you ready? A little big, huh? We'll get you another side. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) 
What are you doing? <laughs> he curves his nipples. Your sense of <laughs> Up the escalator. This was the best day of my life. The witch is home. Man, man, you gotta go. Come on, your mom's here. Come on, gotta go. Gotta go. Scotty? Scotty? Oh, hi, Chris. Hello. Chris. Hi, Scotty. Hi. Is everything alright? For a little while, I was touch and go, but I think I'll be alright. Okay. Scotty, WCW called at my board meeting and wants you to come back to work. You gonna be all right? I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> She's not too bright, is she? Now, far <laughs> be it. He's talking to the camera like Zach Morris. <laughs> far be it from me. They missed one of the segments in this. There's one that when they leave the house before they go to the Versailles place. <laughs> okay. That they stop at the bank, right? And <laughs> Raven goes, oh, I'm here to take a couple bucks out of my account. And they just start piling like stacks of hundreds, right? And okay. Canyon's selling it with like the big, like big eyes, mouth agape, you know, right? Uh -huh. And then they give Raven a sack to put the money in and he throws it over his shoulders and starts singing Christmas carols as they walk out of the thing. <laughs> and, uh, he says we're going to the club tonight, but we gotta we gotta do something about the way you're dressed. And then that's when they go to the Versace the Versace place, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is all tremendous. I loved it. Uh, this was a viral video for me 25 years ago. Uh, again, I would tape the nitros, uh, and obviously this, you know, on a pose. So I watched this. It's all horrible. But uh, this is something that I like did my own like little edit of. And I, I would put it, like, it was on its own, like, SP tape, right? <laughs> highest quality playback, yeah. Highest quality playback. And whenever I'd make a copy, like, somebody's like, oh, Joe, uh, could you make me a copy of those, like, 95 ECW TVs, you know? I'd throw this. I'd throw all these in the middle of it, right? Because <laughs> I, I was a dick, and I love these things. And we would speculate that, again, it's 1999. It was a different time. And, you know, obviously, they would probably have gone with it today. Um, but we're like Raven and Canyon are together. And this is also before we knew that Canyon was gay. Like he wasn't out. Right. So we're talking 25 years ago. Yeah. And we're like Raven and Canyon are like always together. They bicker like a married couple like Seinfeld. Right. Uh huh. Raven's going to buy Canyon new clothes. Um, he's like watching them get changed. They go to a bunch of clubs where you're not allowed to take cameras inside. <laughs> and, when, and when Canyon's coming on the steps, he's tucking his shirt in and zipping up his pants. And I'm like, are they insinuating? Like, 25 years ago, we'd be like, are they insinuating that they're a couple? And, like, that would have been, like, that'd be super progressive today. 25 years ago, that would have been the most progressive thing that ever happened in the world of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, it would be guaranteed to, it, it's, it would bury them, you know, in, in 2000, it would be like, okay, they're both instantly heels, you know? Right. And unfortunately this gets the legs cut out from underneath it because Canyon gets pulled 
to do the um, Jesse Ventura uh, made-for-TV movie and to start filming stunts and so forth for Ready to Rumble. Yeah, and we saw Hack debut last week, right? So I thought that that was where they abandoned the Raven at Home segments, but I guess they just abandoned the Wacky Neighbor segments. They abandoned the Wacky Neighbors chastity appears as sandman's uh valet in like a week or two with no mention of her appearing in the previous skits no mention that she's raven's sister any of that gotcha all right very very unlike wcw but i'll take your word for it so to say that things were a bit of a mess during this time things were a bit of a mess during this time Mm. and uh lastly but not leastly uh 21 years ago was the ring of honor one year anniversary show at the uh, Elks Lodge in Queens, New York. And uh, I was at that show. I went to every Ring of Honor show. Like, I went to every 2002 and 2003 Ring of Honor show. And um, this match, does this show does not hold up. Um, the main event was a 10 on, uh, it was a 2, 4, 6, 8. It was an 8 on 8 scramble match. And I think we left during it to get home. <laughs> um... There's, uh, you know, I know you're going to be surprised by this, Adam. There's a really good Brian Danielson versus Samoan Joe match on this, uh, this card. Ah, uh, very shocking. Okay. Um, there is a very good Paul London AJ Styles low key three way on this. All right. And this is the night of the infamous real. I'm winking into the camera here. Uh, riot that happened during the match between Steve Carino and Homicide. I don't know anything about it. Oh, my goodness. So um, we were led to believe that this was a bunch of, like, homicide street thugs jumping the rail and that, like, this whole thing was supposed to be fake. And even, like, 21 years ago, eyes, like, I was not anywhere close to being in the business. But, like, you know, I was Internet smart to the business at this time. But, like, I see these guys, like, very clearly, like, during what's supposed to be, like, an out-of-control riot calling spots with each other and like throwing worked punches and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. Now it would lead to a really, really awesome, uh, uh, homicide, Steve Carino match the summer here in 2003. But like, this is the beginning of their rivalry. This was, you know, Gabe as the booker of ring of honor, you know, Rob Feinstein still involved, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, like, Gabe, like on the message boards, early internet days, Gabe was insistent, like this footage will never see the light of day and so on and so forth. And of course it did. And like, it was just like early Gabe trying to work the internet that like the rest of the show was a work. Like Gabe was Vince, Ru- Gabe was more Vince Russo than the world will have you remember. <laughs> All right. But you saw right through it, Joe. So kudos to you. Well, listen, I don't know, man. Like, I I see guys talking when they're supposed to be in a blood feud. I'm like, what's going on, guys? They were biting their ears. No. <laughs> if only they were. Yeah. Uh, so, again, that's this day in wrestling history. Let's get into this last week in wrestling stuff we want to talk about. Um, I, all pretense is gone. Adam, where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to kind of start with what, with what is most fresh in my head, and that is the clusterfuck that is the We Want Cody WrestleMania stuff. Um, I've made it a point 
against my better judgment, to at least watch the SmackDown and Raw segments that involve these parties. So going back to SmackDown, I watched the uh, Roman, Cody, and Rock scenario where Cody says he's you know he's going to take away everything that Roman holds dear. He's just not going to do it at WrestleMania, and he's basically giving his title shot to uh, Roman. Um, so I watched that, and then obviously I watched Raw because you know the internet's going nuts. So how could The Rock do that to poor Whittle Cody? And we have on Raw you have. Of Seth and Cody talking and then all of a sudden Drew McIntyre interjects himself and I'm getting very confused but thankfully Joe thankfully the WWE is going to take all of this confusion and clear it all up by having a press conference today right before we record we'll be scooping and booping on the soon to be named network because they're <laughs> going to tell us exactly what the main event picture is uh, for WrestleMania. Uh, and so I watched the Oops All Promos uh, press <laughs> conference on YouTube. And coming out of this, I still don't know what's going on because you have The Rock coming out and he's getting booed. And screw you if you boo The Rock. The Rock is awesome. The Rock has never done anything bad. Uh, the Rock shows the family tree, which I got to see a, a screenshot of. I, I, I screenshot it, but I got to zoom in and really, really dissect that family tree when I get a chance. But, um, you know, The Rock says he's going to face Roman at Mania. And then Cody comes out and says, no, 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 I'm going to face you know, Roman Reigns at Mania, but then they never really announced what's going to happen. They left the press conference as if, uh, oh, tune in next week. We'll, we'll try to sort this whole thing out. And I'm like, all right, well, that was a complete waste of time. But yeah, I still don't know what's going on with Mania. I I, I don't care, but I want to know. It's one of those weird things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my first thing I'm talking about. Yeah, it is on my list too to talk about and, and tim and marcus actually you know got really into the weeds on it on final wrestling place this past tuesday um i got i got a story to tell you on the patreon show remind me of that <laughs> All right, um yeah yeah um so um so the, the so again working backwards and picking and choosing like rock goes on pat mcafee today and he's making remarks calling like certain segment of Cody's fans Cody crybabies and making fun of like the basement dwellers and you know their moms bringing them chicken fingers like the low hanging fruit that every like lame ass indie wrestler does when they're critiquing like somebody who critiques their work you know yeah but the problem is there's so much that's going on with all of this and none of it is clear. So it makes the people watching or following have to fill in their gaps. And like Tim and Marcus really get into the whole thing on final wrestling place. If you didn't listen, go into it, but I'll do my best to recap it here in that. Like what actually is Cody's story? Like it was clear when he debuted and he cut that promo the night after mania two years ago but since then the the what fin what story he's trying to finish has become unclear and wwe over the last two weeks with seth's injury and with punk's injury and with them getting the rock back in and all the shit that's going on with vince they've muddied the story more in the last two weeks than they have in the last two years and if you ignore all the internet stuff, all the rumor, all the innuendo, 
all the anything. And you just go by what happens on TV. And that's it. Cody has been made to look like a fool. And Seth has been made to look like a fool. In the service of Roman Reigns. And I get it. He's the champion. I don't care if he wrestles once a year or 250 times a year. He's their champion. He's the one that they've decided. And then the other one is The Rock. The Rock is on the board of directors. The Rock is arguably one of the biggest stars that can maybe go for at least one match. And the problem is, when they had Cody win the Royal Rumble and point at Roman Reigns, and then they did all of this, they made Cody look weak, they made Cody look lame, and it's a service to Cody that he's able to still stay as over as he is and get the reactions that he is that they made him look like a fool. Even the press conference tonight, Cody was held back by barely able to move off a heart attack, not reading lawsuits, Triple H. <laughs> and while all of this is going on, and Rock, or Rock is barking at people, and Roman is barking at people, and Cody's barking at people, Seth just has to stand on the stage while all this goes along. So I get you're trying to build up a Rock and Roman Reigns match, but to do so, you're you're cutting the legs off and making two guys look like shit in Cody and Seth Rollins. And I'm not a Seth Rollins guy. I think Seth is one of the corniest motherfuckers in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, I've been on the Nightmare Narcotics since day one. Uh, I've got the main line to it. It's uh, yeah, Listen, all of that out of the way. The real problem with all this is, and I am definitely in the minority, but the more and more they fuck around with this, the less and less I care. Wrestling is easy if you don't overthink it. And they have done so much to overthink this world title stuff in the last two weeks. I don't see them stop. I don't think we're going to know definitively what, the main event at WrestleMania is until after Le- Elimination Chamber. Yeah. And and you mentioned uh, Cody pointing at The Rock at the Rumble, and I think I, I complained about it last week, that that's the one thing that if they just didn't do that, you know, would have got them out of this hole. Because right. if, ima- if you imagine, if he just pointed at the WrestleMania sign instead, you know, as cliche as it is, point at the WrestleMania sign, show him looking up at both Roman and Seth. And then you would not have had this problem because you could very easily on Monday Night Raw the next night, you know, now that we have the knowledge that that CM Punk is out, you can have Seth, like, attack Cody. And then Cody cut a fiery promo being like, I'm going to finish my story, but it's not going to be against Roman. It's going to be against you, Seth Rollins, and have Seth Rollins be all, like, freaking out. Well, you know, you're not supposed to go after me. You're not supposed to go after me. And then all the Cody fans will be like, yay, Cody's going to go for a world title. He's going to go beat Seth, that dastardly heel who took him out, you know, and and then nobody would have minded Rock versus Roman, you know, but it was the fact that it looked like Cody made his choice, so to speak, and then it was taken away from him by evil corporate Rock. You could, right, or even further, like, and you could do that, them doing Evil corporate rock is a pivot due to the negative response that everything got on Friday. Your idea is perfect. You have Seth be the one um, who attacks Cody. You even have a thing where instead of it being Drew that comes out and cuts the promo uh, on Punk the the Monday after 
Royal Rumble and says the thing that I've been saying for a long time. I prayed for this and it happened. <laughs> you have Seth come out and cut that promo. You have Cody stick up for Punk. Seth attacks the two of them. Now you have that going on. And now Roman's like, looks like I've got WrestleMania off. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to do anything. Then you have Cody come out and Cody say, I already made my decision. I'm going after Seth, but I'm not done with you. But I can't wrestle twice at WrestleMania and apparently neither can you. (laughs) But I made a call and there's someone who does want to get a piece of you and you do it that way. There's a million different ways that they could have went about this, and we could sit here and fantasy book this and whatever, but it's not my job to get WWE out of the pickle that they've gotten themselves in, and they got themselves in a couple pickles, right? Yeah. Um, and, and both also on like, screen and out. <laughs> on screen and off. Yeah, you mentioned Drew McIntyre, because, like, are, is he now in the, the, the picture for the main event of Mania as well? You know, he like, should, it seems like... If he is, he should have been at the press conference. Exactly. I was going to say, like, coming out of Raw, I was like, okay, this this makes it interesting. Maybe we're going to get some kind of three-way dance or something like that, some kind of confusion at the top. But then there's no mention of them at the press conference. Right. And the fact that this story, the world title picture, main event, WrestleMania, has been so fucking all over the place. And just these last two weeks speaks volumes for how fucked up WWE creative is. And listen, man. There's people out there that love it, and there's people that sing the praises, and you could call me an AEW stan all you want. I got problems with stuff that go on an AEW. The overall picture, I could nitpick stuff. I'm talking about the overall picture, main event, going into WrestleMania. You have a guy win the Royal Rumble, and you fucked it up. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, and I, my only other thing I'll say is I like the fact that it's very hard to get people to boo The Rock because he's The Rock and he's awesome. But this has somehow managed to turn The Rock heel. And uh, I I think that The Rock as a heel is way more interesting than Babyface Rock. So I do like that. But if it ends up being Cody versus Roman at Mania, then like, what do you do with The Rock? Do you have them each wrestle twice? Like I saw mentioned in our Discord, kind of like the the Brett, Owen, Luger, and whatever. Who's the fourth person in that scenario? Mania. Ah! So that's the thing. So obviously the coin flip. Lex wins the coin flip, so he gets the first match against Yoko. Yoko. Brett gets the standby match with Owen. Oh my god, I love it that you don't remember because don't you remember that hot feud that Lex Luger was having at the time? With Crush? (laughs) Yeah, that was his standby match. I forgot about that. Yep. In case it happened, yeah. Because it didn't happen, right? He wrestled Yoko first. Right. That okay. was if Le- that's if Brett won the coin toss and he got the match with uh Yoko first, then Lex would have to wrestle Crush, and we wouldn't have gotten the Brett versus Owen match. Arguably one of the top five best matches in WrestleMania history. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even that is a like a an option for the two nights of Mania, you know, but I don't know. I'm very confused by all of it. And at the end of the day, like I I said before, I don't care, but I just want to know. Yes. So it's not that I'm confused. It's that the more and more shit they pile on top of it, the less and less I care about it. You know who I want to know what's doing at WrestleMania? I want to know what LA Knight's doing at WrestleMania. 
I told you he's hosting. I'm more interested in the Becky Rhea stuff. I I, want to see if they officially announced that they're going to do Santos Escobar versus Ray with the mask on the line. Like, those are straightforward wrestling storylines. They're overthinking it. They're trying to make it a bigger deal than it actually is, and it's not. They've booked that. They've painted themselves in a corner. And they're just going to keep painting in the hopes that everyone just keeps following along. And that's great. There's people that are going to follow along. More power to you. I don't care about Roman, Rock, Cody, uh, Seth, Drew, Phil, whoever else you want to throw into that mix, right? Well, I mean, you misspoke. You do care about Cody because you have the Nightmare Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. The Nightmare Narcotic, Tattoo, Pharaoh. (laughs) The whole thing. Now, I will say this, okay? I don't know if I should speak this into existence, okay? WWE hasn't put this bullet into the chamber yet. There's one thing that could get me to come back and be interested in all this bullshit. I want Brandy to cut a promo on The Rock. (laughs) Brandy Rhodes? Brandy Rhodes comes out, and she does the open mic night bitch to The Rock. I'm back in. (laughs) <laughs> all right i mean again you you've always been a brandy defend a defender so i yes. can understand that you know absolutely the nightmare what was the her and mel practice and deathmatch legend luther and i think awesome kong was in there too oh that was when brandy was the spooky voodoo lady yeah the nightmare collective yeah <laughs> Do you still have your Nightmare Collective shirts, or did you get them ruined with like hot dog grease and stuff? A lot, a lot of you say hot dog grease, I say tears. But <laughs> it's very all right, what else you got? What do you got next, Joe? Uh, well, um, how about um, Scott Demore getting fired from TNA? Yeah, and, like how crazy that has been. And again, I could only, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying. I could only speak about the information that we can confirm and is said publicly. Mm-hmm. I can't discuss. I'm not, I, I can't discuss cause I don't know the stuff that people have tiptoed around and pussyfooted around and snipe back and forth with each other about. And that stuff could all come out between the time that we record this and the time that this gets released or the time that we record this and the time that we record next week. And whatever everybody's whispering about in regards to whatever Scott Demore may or may not have did, but what I can tell you is Scott Demore busted his ass for the last 10 years to try to rehab, rebuild, re-everything, impact back into TNA. He seemed to be very loved amongst the current roster. And whether he was trying to buy the company to get it away from Anthem whether he went to Anthem asking for more money and they fired him. But what we do know is he was certainly fired. And when they did the Zoom call with the roster, they lied to the roster and said that he quit. That's it. There's something going on. I don't know what yeah. it is. But like TNA felt like they had some momentum going. And a lot of it was due to Scott Demore, And now he's gone. I don't think Scott Demore's done in wrestling. 
unless whatever everybody likes to whisper about, whatever he may or may not have done, comes out that he's fucked. But Scott Demore is a guy who's been in wrestling for like 40 years, his whole life. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to do something else or if he goes to another startup or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it sucks, man. Like I said, the, the people that were in TNA um, loved Scott Demore. You know, they were, you know, I, I said my prediction to Brett and DJ over on We Need Wrestling that, you know, my, my money was that by the end of 2024 that TNA was going to become like the viable number two overtaken AEW. And a lot of that was because of the work that Scott Demore was doing. But with him gone, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens in the next set of tapings. How about that? Yeah. And, and like you said, I, I as soon as the news came out that he was fired, uh, I uh, automatically everybody's like, well, you don't know what he really did. And when that comes out, oh, boy. I'm like, OK, how about instead of implying shit, if you have facts, tell me instead of trying to uh, like cast like you know bad faith on the guy without actually telling me you know what i'm saying like yeah i've seen all the tweets that you've seen where it's like oh if you only knew what uh, what he really did then you wouldn't be sad that he was going well i i'd love to know you know so that i won't be like you were just like well man i miss i'm gonna miss him in tna he was a great influence on the company so it's kind of weird because you have that shadow uh that cloud forming over potentially over the whole thing so as far as him as a guy who ran the wrestling company i completely agree with you like everybody who worked for him or is working for him currently in tna has nothing but nice things to say about him you know so uh it's it's hard to see tna continuing any type of momentum when you're going to have just suits that don't know wrestling running the company, you know, they're going to be making decisions based on bottom lines and not on what's best for business. But I, I'm not a TNA guy to start with. So like I haven't, I don't have the ability to even watch it. I don't have access TV. So it's really irrelevant to me, but I, I don't want to see a company that more or less is a, you know, a good company have troubles because that's one less place for people to work and competition is a good thing for wrestling. So I would hate to have like, regardless of what may or may not come out about him, I'd hate to have his firing somehow cause TNA to go in a downward spiral, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, maybe we'll find out more, uh, but I, I hate it when wrestling journalists are like, the, the 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 blinking eyes emoji or like the you know if huge if true stuff like if you don't have facts to back up like if you won't go on the record about what you know then don't mention it you know like if it's if your information is incomplete or if it's possibly not coming from a reliable source or whatever reason you won't you know go into detail on the record then don't put the the hints out there you know what I'm saying. Like, I hope, like, I don't want to sound like an asshole and come out that, like, I'm supporting him. If it turns out he did something horrible, uh, I will be the first person to throw him under the bus. But, like, these journalists that are that are tiptoeing around it, if you don't have the information to go out there publicly, don't say anything at all, you know? So uh, I'm probably sounding like an idiot here, but that's the way I feel about it. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And it's just a lot of them being like, you know, like the, oh, huge of true. Or once you find out why you got fired, you're going to be singing a different tune. Well, yeah, shut the fuck up. You know, anyways, 
my next thing, Joe. I'm going to let you handle most of the match and the nostalgia pop, you know, and being happy for this, you know, some might, I've heard people refer to him as a meme wrestler, but like, I'll let you handle the big bill and Ricky Starks versus Darby and, and Stig match. I want to talk about the aftermath of the match, Joe. I know okay. you are not a young bucks fan. No, never will be. I have been a fan in the past, but I've weaned off of it over the years. And I, I, I've, I feel like I've come to the point where I've, I look at the Young Bucks very objectively. And for the most part, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the them being Kenny Omega's uh, hanger-on when Kenny was the bell collector. I wasn't a fan of them as a babyface. I'm not a fan of them as the we're mad, credit DJ and Brett. Um, and I'm not a fan of them as Nicholas and Matthew. But that closing angle of Dynamite where they came out in the white suits and the white bats and they ruined the celebration of Sting and Darby and got covered in Darby's blood. I was like, that is the first time ever the Bucks as heels actually came off as like, I don't want to say cool heels, but like credible heels. Because normally they're just guys that are like, oh, we're in the shadow of AJ Styles. We're in the shadow of Kenny Omega. We're whatever. You know, we're just the annoying guys that are, you know, backing up the credible heel. But that was the first time where they ever actually looked like decent heels. And I was like, all right, now maybe I do want to see Darby and Sting versus the Young Bucks like that. And I never thought I would say that because we all groaned when the Bucks walked out. You know when Sting announced his retirement match, uh, so like I really liked that closing segment, and I guess it was cool to see Sting and Darby win the tag titles too. But uh, just the visual of those two covered in blood was was pretty sweet. And I can, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. I can objectively say I can never not look past the Bucks with a critical eye. Um, you know, my personal run-ins with them have been negative, all of them. Um, I'm not a fan of their in-ring style. Um, I think for the most part, they are bad on-screen performers. Everything they do comes off as inauthentic and phony and not believable. But I do have to give them credit. And again, I'll nitpick. Um, bless Darby for deciding to tap a gusher for the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, bless Darby to have enough business smarts to be like, while the Bucks are posing and preening, that Dar- go back and watch it, and Darby is literally pulling himself up and wiping his blood all over their clothes. Yeah. Um, they don't know how to swing bats in a wrestling angle style, but then again, neither does the most high-paid performer in AEW either. So <laughs> if it's good enough for him, and by good, I mean dog shit looking, I guess it's good enough for them as well. Um... And the fact that it looks like either one of Sting's kids takes shits bigger than both the Bucks <laughs> combined. Um, yeah, how the hell are they not making a billion dollars in wrestling right now? Because their father made trillions of dollars in real estate, so they probably don't have to work. Oh, all right, Remember but... all those years ago when Rick Rude's kid came out at the Hall of Fame and inducted his dad or accepted the thing for his dad? And everyone's like, how the hell is this kid not in the business? And I'm like, because this kid's smart. Stay away <laughs> from the goddamn business that killed your dad. 
Why are Sting's kids not in the business? I bet you Sting has said, if you like, if you decide that you guys want to be a wrestler, you're cut off. <laughs> then why are they gas to the gills then? If you're you're just gonna sit at home and be rich, you don't have to. You don't have to work out. Like listen, nobody works out for funsies. <laughs> listen, sometimes you just want to be a, a, a Adam. Imagine this. Imagine that that's them with their genetics not working out. That's just how <laughs> they normally walk around every day of their lives. <laughs> God bless Sting's genetics then. <laughs> oh God. But it's a way to quickly heat up the angle. We're four weeks away from the pay-per-view, five weeks away from the pay-per-view, whatever. It's a way to make the Bucks look like a credible threat against, you know, Sting and Darby, who have been positioned as a tag team as world beaters. Um, you know, they just won the tag titles. They're undefeated, so on and so forth. Um, I don't think the Bucks should win the titles. I think Sting should retire. You know, we talked about this yeah. before when it was going to be as the, the singles champion when we go into the pay-per-view and like sting wins the title, like he went, he goes in as a champion, which was the world title, but it is what it is. He goes into the pay-per-view as tag team champions. He wins. He retires from AEW undefeated. And then they have a tournament, which Tony loves to do. And outside of the continental classic, which was a round Robin tournament, this would be a different tournament. I say in, in the spirit of 1999 WCW, we do a double elimination tournament. That won't be confusing. Um, <laughs> but you do a tag team tournament to crown the new tag team champions. And, like, you debut new belts and you let Sting and Darby, quote unquote, like, retire those belts. I was just about to say that because, number one, you know, I, I agree with you. Have Sting retire as champion. Have Tony Khan say, like, you're this is your belt forever kind of like they didn't redesign the belt, but like they were, they kind of retired the TNT belts for Brody Lee and obviously completely different things here, but then they came out with a different belt, but I think they might've changed a couple jewels on it, but completely changed the tag team belts. Cause they're ugly as fuck anyways, and have a tournament. I agree with you on all of that. Those are all of my points. Yeah. But, and like you said, Tony loves tournaments. You can showcase some tag teams that, really aren't in the top five rankings, but, you know, give them a couple matches. Uh, I'd be down for that. Yeah, you can't have Sting's last night, him going down to the Bucks. You know, make the Bucks look like a million bucks in the next... Hey, there's a pun there. Make Ugh. them look, look like a million dollars over the next five weeks just to have Sting and Darby clown them on the pay-per-view, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I say between now and then... Uh, you do a TV match of the Bucks against Ricky Starks and Big Bill, because uh, you had that bit at the end where Ricky Starks kind of hesitated to take out Sting, you know? Uh-huh. And like maybe this is like a babyface turn for Starks and Big Bill. They get a match with the Bucks. The Bucks get to look strong against the former champs. Whatever. Sting needs to retire undefeated as tag team champion. Yeah, hundred percent. And fucking, how about Big Bill? Was that like when he caught Darby and then did like the black hole slam to him, kind of the spinning sidewalk slam on the outside, just all in one motion? I'm like, God damn, this guy's gonna make a million dollars. You know, I, I know we kind of hopped on a little bit with um, Brett and DJ over at We Need Wrestling when they said that like Julia Hart was like most improved in 2023. I think like Big Bill is most improved like in life. Oh yeah. Like, if you look at, like, where he was before, like, when he was in WWE, what he was, 
when he left WWE, what he was. How like he when got he was his- in TNA as W. Morrissey, and I'm like, okay, nobody wants to see this, bud. You know? Well, we we don't get Big Bill without W. Morrissey. Yeah. But, you know, he was at the lowest point of his life, man. Like, shit was rough for him. And, like, when you... Uh, and, again, like, a, a lot of people need to hit that rock bottom, and he did, sadly. But he's pulled himself back up. There's people that hit rock bottom and then just try to, like, dig deeper. And, like, his support system that he had around him, the fact that he had the wherewithal to know that, you know, he could still do something here in the wrestling business, and that's what he wants to do. Like, it's a credit to him, you know? And he's a man after your own heart. When me, Brett, and DJ went to the the Rampage that was in Atlantic City, he was out on the uh, loading area ripping heaters. So, you know, a man after your own heart. Yeah, I mean, all the best do, you know? <laughs> I, I know he does the bit where he comes out and he has the lollipop in his mouth. And if I mentioned this on the show before, it's been a while since I did. He, he if anyone, should come out to the ring ripping heaters. <laughs> I mean, it makes everybody look cooler, ripping heaters. And, like, when you're already as cool as Big Bill currently is, like, mm-hmm. you're going to hit. You, he might dangerously close come to, to Kevin Nash levels of cool if he was ripping a heater coming out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin Nash didn't have a great week, so I don't know. Yeah. He, he, he might be uh, up for re- reevaluation in 2024, is all I'm saying. What else you got, Joe? Last one for me, um, my match of the week. Uh, we don't normally do this, but it was a match I was looking forward to coming up. It was a match that I went in with not high expectations, but lofty expectations, let's say. And again, we, we talk about this, you know, it was in my notes for this day in wrestling history. But this day in wrestling history, eight years ago, Brian Danielson was forced to retire due to injuries. And well, that, that he, was Daniel Bryan. We never saw Daniel Bryan again. No, Daniel well, Bryan, no, he remember did, he I, came back. I know, I'm just saying. Early in the pandemic and everything else like that. And then he left WWE. Uh, with the match on SmackDown against Roman, and then came to AEW, where he's, you know, had, uh, I would say, an amazing career resurgence. But, like, how can you go from a 9.9 plus to what he's doing currently? But it's matches like he had on Collision with Hechicero. And, again, this is my first time getting a chance to see Hechicero. The look, the production, the whole thing of him, the way that him and Danielson meshed. Um, you know, I- I'm... I'm not a grapple fuck guy and I'm not a Lucha Libre guy, but when you have two of the best guys in the world doing it and mixing it together, like this is what I like when wrestling works. When you get like, you know, you get two grapple fuck guys and that's good. You get two Lucha guys and that's good. You get two brawlers and that's good. But when you get like those guys that are like the epitomes, the top of the game in their select style of professional wrestling, and they're able to mix it with the other guy who's the top in a different style of professional wrestling, and you get that sort of magic that happens, and that's what that match was. Now, I'll nitpick a little bit and say, um, while this was my first time seeing Hechicero, I'm going to uh, guess that it was not uh, Brian Danielson's first time seeing Hechicero. Because there was a couple times as like Hechicero was getting his stuff going, you know. Mm. Uh, Danielson was maybe a little too obviously maneuvering himself into the right position and moving his arm where he knew it needed to be so it could get grabbed, you know. That didn't take anything away from the match for me, but I'm just like, because I'm a sycophant for Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, I'm like, 
he wants this match to be the Hechicero match. So he's going to make sure he's exactly where he needs to be for everything that Hechicero does. But Hechicero did a bunch of awesome stuff, like that snap um, head scissors takeover thing that he does. The big knee that he does in the corner. Um, you know, just the pop that he gets on that. Like, all of that stuff, he did really cool stuff. I wish he didn't take the pinfall in the six-man on TV on Dynamite this past week after losing the singles match to Danielson. But, like, I don't know what the relationship with AEW and CML is. I, I don't know if that means that, like, Hechicero's going to get some of those wins back. If the Blackpool Combat Club go to Arena Mexico, I just really like that match. That's that's, that's my kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. No, I, I first I'll, I'll take this in reverse and say I completely agree that I, I feel like the tri- – uh, I was about to say AAA. The CML, CMLL guys – should have gotten a win there in that tag match, whether it was from outside interference or if you want to replace Claudio with like Yuta and have Yuta take the pin or something like that, just so that the American audience who is not familiar with the CMLL guys would take them more seriously. Because otherwise, it's like, okay, here's your, they're, they're, they have the risk of becoming like, gravity or el vikingo or or whatever these luchas that are in aew that when you put them in the ring with uh the the big stars of aew they just end up losing so like i just you don't want to see them become lumped into that group if that makes sense so i could have seen a way to have the 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 visitors get a win on american soil uh, but going back to your thing about Danielson being a 9.8 in, in WWE, it's like when he was in WWE, there was a strong conversation as to whether Danielson was the greatest wrestler of all time. But then he comes to AEW and he removes all doubt. You know, like he's he's not the, the greatest sports entertainment ever, but like you can make a case that he's the greatest wrestler ever just because of all these these matches that you, like you said, of all these divergent styles, whether it's grapple fuck and brawling and scientific matches or Lucha, whatever he can do it all. And he does it all well. And I like, I I like a lot of other wrestlers more than I like Danielson, but I recognize Danielson as like the best. Yep. Uh, One other thing I'll just stick with AEW because that's what I do. And uh, I just want to address the hangman swerve 30 minute draw. Uh, not going to go into great detail on it, but, uh, Hey, we got hangman as a heel out of it. Uh, I still refuse to say that that makes swerve a baby face. I will not acquiesce to you on that, but very confusing that hangman was under the impression that he just automatically becomes number one contender. If he outlasts swerve, but like, he's like, you didn't beat me. You didn't beat me I'm the number one contender. Um, but you know what? You have swerve doing the five more minutes thing, which I guess is kind of a baby face thing, but no, no, no. He just wanted to win. So I'm not going to give this up. Uh, obviously hangman refuses that, that extra five minutes. And then we get a three-way dance at the pay-per-view with swerve hangman and Samoa Joseph, uh, looking forward to it. I would have rather it have been swerve versus Samoa Joe straight up, but I'm fine with throwing in a heel hangman into the mix. So swerve asks for five more minutes. Yep. Swerve tells Nana to keep the goons in the back and explicitly tells him not to interfere. Swerve <laughs> Nana dances Swerve to life. Turn the Nana in one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling. <laughs> um, on Collision, Swerve cuts the promo where he kind of apologizes for all the bad stuff that he did and puts over all of the other black champions that came before him and said that he is going to be the next, you know, 
Athena or Kofi Kingston or Ron Simmons. Yeah, he's definitely not a baby face. He's not. He's not. He's just uh, he's picking his spot, Joe. He's uh, he's lulling you into a false sense of security so that he can then betray you. And uh, when he wins the title, you know he'll show his true colors. He's he's uh-huh. my he's the coolest in the world, and he's a heel. All right. But and I'll say this: we all knew because the story was going that way that we were going to get the three way with Samoan Joe. Uh, Hangman and Swerve at the pay-per-view. Like, I think many of us knew this, like, weeks ago. Just the way that TV was being laid out. Now going to the pay-per-view, I don't know who's going to win that match. Yeah. I, 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 honestly, I, like, I like Hangman. I, I really do. I, I hope it's anybody but Hangman, though. You know, like, I'm fine with Samoa Joe retaining. Samoa Joe is awesome. And obviously, I'm pulling for Swerve. Uh, Hangman is my least preferable choice out of the three. But I, I agree with you. I don't know which way they're going to go. But there's a convincing story for either guy. Um, you know, Swerve is the one that I want to see win. But I could, if Swerve don't win, that's okay. Because I don't think Swerve's story with the world title is done. Um, if Hangman doesn't win, I could see his story with the world title being done for a while, but it looks like they're back committed to putting Hangman back at like a top of the card singles wrestling type of guy. And then Samoan Joe is Samoan Joe. He fucking rocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so again, I, I don't know who's going into that pay-per-view is who's coming out of the, the, the match at the pay-per-view as the champion, but unless they completely fuck Hangman or really fuck uh, swerve character wise, I think I'll be okay with whoever wins. I'm just hoping it's a good match and we get like some sort of character development for at least one of the three parties in the match. Yeah, I, I just hope at the pay per view that Swerve can finish his story. That's all yes. I care about. Oh boy. <laughs> Hashtag we want Swerve. <laughs> yes. Anyway. You have anything else? No, Adam, I have nothing else. You don't want to talk about big business? Nah, you want to talk? Right. You want to talk about big business? Uh, I, again, coming it? from Boston. Yeah. Um, I just wish TK. I wish they wouldn't do. Tony Khan has a big announcement every time there's like a new venue. You know, uh, even if they just said, "Oh, and tonight we're gonna hear from Tony Khan," and then have him announce that show. Like, I think that would have been received much more positively than saying, I have a huge announcement. And I get it. You read between the lines. It's implied that it's Sasha. Or people might say it's implied that it might be Okada or it might be both. And that is huge. But he's doing it with a wink. And I guess you can say that that is a huge announcement. But just just say, like, you know, we'll hear from Tony Khan. Or just out of the blue, you know, it'll just be like we're coming out of a match and we're going to throw it to the ring and here's Tony Khan and he can announce the the venue. I just hate the the AEW playbook when it comes to Tony Khan big announcements. Uh, I'm on the other side of the coin, Adam. I say every week Tony Khan should have a big announcement or a major announcement on Dynamite. Every week, no matter what it is. Next week's announcement is Sting's farewell sold out. That's our big announcement. <laughs> Only way you could see it now is pay-per-view or closed circuit, right? <laughs> Big announcement from Tony Khan. AEW Fight Forever is now $29.99 at participating retailers. Exactly. <laughs> Every week, and I don't care if it's a legitimate big announcement, officially announcing Sasha Banks getting signed, officially announcing Okada getting signed, 
officially announced and whatever getting signed, right? Or if it's something, as you had just mentioned, as innocuous as, like, they just announced today that uh, All Out uh, is the first AEW pay-per-view to be released on Blu-ray. <laughs> if that's Tony Khan, if they say Tony Khan is a major announcement next week on Dynamite, and that's what it is, I'm okay with that. All right. I mean, that's a different way of taking it, but I, I, I don't mind that either. <laughs> you know? I, I like if it's a bit that Tony doesn't know what a big announcement is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, that I think that's it for this week, right? You don't have anything else, Adam? Uh, should I? My way, my life. The Lexus King moment of the week. Um uh I forgot to watch NXT this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My way, my life. The Lexus King moment of the week. <gasps> Next week will be a double shot. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. You know what? It was the goddamn press conference today. Uh, so it was I the bought. press conference on Thursday that made you forget to watch a show that happened on... I don't watch NXT live. What am I, a fucking sociopath? I watch it the day of the show. That's true. And there was a, a, a what do they call them? Like, they one of their specials this past weekend, too? There was? Yeah. I thought that was like, oh, all right. God damn it. <laughs> I'm out of the loop. All right. Let's I need see. to hire Alexis King intern. Yes, you absolutely <laughs> all do. All that stuff for me, and I'll just present it, you know? Yes. All right. Well, um, homework tonight that we'll be discussing over on the Patreon is going to be... Uh, the 2017 feature film uh, starring The Rock and a bunch of other people. Uh, Rock in the nude. Like, look at you being um, proactive with this, that you're assigning, like, rock movies when The Rock is, you know, arguably one of the most talked about performers in 2024 sports entertainment. And here we are over the Patreon uh, reviewing his viewer of films. But we're going to yeah, be talking I mean, about Baywatch. <laughs> the Rock is getting that ad odds bump, you know, pushing them up to the mainstream again. Exactly. Now, I will let everyone know here, you know, we discussed it last week. I hemmed and hawed. I kicked the tires. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know, right? So next week's homework, which is going to line up with our day and date 25 years ago, we're going to be watching the February 15th, 1999 episode of Monday Nitro. 1999? Yes. Um, this is another three-hour Nitro. It's a three-hour three Nitro that has six matches, and the first hour is skits. <laughs> okay. All right. You got me back again. Okay. Um, good skits hour. <laughs> right. We, we do have um, more matches in the double elimination tag team tournament as Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko have to wrestle twice, once against Dave Taylor and Fit Finley, and another time against the uh, the staunch WCW tag team of Mike Enos and Scotty Riggs. All right. Uh, we also have, um, you know, blowing off the storyline that they were going to do, I mentioned before from... Bix and Chris over at Between the Sheets on their Patreon that it was supposed to be U.S. champion Bret Hart against world champion Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc. 
Well, this time they blow it off and do U.S. champion Roddy Piper taking on Hulk Hogan uh, on this episode of Nitro. But the big match, the money match that's on this episode of Nitro, Adam, in addition to an hour of skits, (laughs) is Mr. Hitman Bret Hart taking on Will Sasso. (laughs) Do do you have uh, from like YouTube or anything like the mad TV skits that need that are needed to be set setting this up or am I just going to be lost the whole time? I think they show. So there was actually mad TV skits that set up Will Sasso being out with Roddy Piper on the one that we just talked about here. Okay. Um, but I think they do recap them on the episode of nitro that we'll be watching. All right, good. Then and uh, hard to tell if, you know, I don't want to lose the story if I'm not seeing all of it, you know? Right. And you can watch this up in the Nitro on the Peacock, on the network, or whatever it is. And if you're a Patreon, I'm sure a link will go up in the next, like, two or three days where you can grab a copy of the version that I'll be watching, which is, like, a cleaned-up copy. Aired, but, like, not super grainy footage, all the original music. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, so uh, let's get into some phone calls. Voicemails. Hey, guys, it's the Wiki. Um, So I was doing some audition prep this afternoon, and I was looking over some monologues. And it got me thinking about wrestling promos that could serve as monologues. And I was curious to see if either of you two had any, like, solid promos that you think one could deliver in the style of an acting monologue. Thanks. <laughs> Hold on. I'm Googling uh, the, I was about to say the lyrics, but the lines from, uh, from Phil's pipe bomb promo. <laughs> <sighs> so as much as everyone loves the pipe bomb promo, both in wrestling and out of wrestling, like, if you go back and watch it, it's the most, insu- like, insular, inside reference, boys in the back, phony wrestling promo. Yeah. But, like, if you're talking about someone, like, in character doing something to advance a storyline, 1995 ECW Cactus Jack, whether it be the pre-summer babyface stuff. Or the heel turn stuff in the summer. Any of that stuff. Unbelievable. Heart-wrenching. Just a man who was pissed off because he pissed away a uh, $100,000 plus dollar, uh, a year job at WCW to work in bingo halls. And like you get the beginnings of it where he's the baby face and everything's good. You could take any one of those from 1995 Cactus Jack promos, and I think those would be amazing monologues. I, I you could probably take a lot of stuff from that era of ECW. You could take like Raven stuff, you know, as nonsensical as some of them were. You know, you could take some Raven promos and just, you know, s- slap some Shakespearean actors on them and then have them sound pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I was going to say Paparazzi Productions, but you alluded to something might be up with Big Kev, so I don't want to heap praise on him right now. Nah, listen, let's just say when it came to uh, everything that's going on with the Vince McMahon lawsuit um, and everything that's going on with uh, Janelle Grant, uh, her lawyer and everything else, um, 
like I think Kevin Nash took an angle on it that like maybe it was consensual stuff. Oh, all right. Yeah, like he just had a real bad, weird take on it all, you know? Fair enough. Well, hey, thanks to Wiki. Yeah, thank you very much for the call. It's always good to hear from you, and congratulations on your uh, recent family news. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Lots of thoughts on many things happening in this week. And I think it can all be summed up in, in one one term here. Uh, I think wrestling is lacking color. And by that, I don't mean lacking color for diversity, because in 2024, with all of the wrestling on TV, all the indie promotions and everything, I don't think there's been a better time in wrestling for POCs, LBGTs, EVPs, or even OC. But right now, I'm worried that the attention is going for the Swifties, because WWE is in Las Vegas for a press conference by Las Vegas to announce a match happening in Philadelphia. That doesn't make sense. Oh, it's because the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas, and they're hoping to get some of that attention. It's not going to sell tickets. not even going to sell pay-per-views because of Peacock and PLEs. So why bother doing it? Because they want more attention, not only from fans, but not at all from fans. They want the media attention, all the media there from around the world for the Super Bowl. They want good attention, not Vince McMahon bad attention. And they want the media to show it. They want the stockholders to show it. They want to make money off of this, not from the fans, but from the millionaires and billionaires there. And I think I know, as a non-football fan, that the Super Bowl is the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. But what if the Ravens decided, you know, I think you'd make more money if we were in the game. And they go ahead and push one of the teams off and sneak in at the last moment to take that spot. Well, that would upset all the fans. What's the point of us watching the whole season? And yet, that's what WWE has done. Granted, I'm recording this before the press conference. Maybe something else happened, but I sincerely doubt it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. But then you go ahead and have another company that the CEO decides, eh, we don't want to do what you want to do because... We're going to try to rearrange the money. Even though you've been successful and done a lot for it, we don't feel any, any love for you. I don't know. I feel the more, but they don't feel the love. And then look at other companies. Did you know McDonald's just posted their first loss in five years? You know, every McDonald's looks gray. What happens to the play places? What happens to splashes of color? Because you pay attention to the investors and not the fans. Joan Adam, when did wrestling become a business? Oh, my goodness. Huh. Um... Hmm. You're making a lot of good points. Thank you very much for your call, Kevin. I feel as though we did discuss a lot of the stuff with, like, you know, the week that was sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I just think um, color, brightness, shininess in general is associated with kids. If we're looking at, like, the big picture – it's associated with whatever. And again, it's not the kids that spend money. It's their parents that spend the money. And eventually those kids are going to grow up and not be into your thing. That's bright and color and colorful and shiny. You got to convince the people of the world 
the people who continue to spend that have that disposable income that your your thing is cool and interesting to be into and that's why you get your blacks and your grays and listen cody stands out because he's this big red white and blue he looks like homelander right (laughs) you know if if the boys was the doctor like there should be a show and i wish there was that showed like the non behind the scenes stuff of the boys it's just like all the super heroics that um, the Homelander does with not all the negative connotation behind the scenes. Oh, wait, we are getting that. That's Cody Rhodes on WWE TV. And I think there are people that try to put a brightness and a shine and a whatever on, on what they do, but I don't think it lasts long because of the same reasons that Kevin mentioned. It's just people look at bo- bottom lines and, you know, you want to have pinks and purples and aquamarines. And unfortunately, the only color outside of blacks and grays that anyone cares about is green. So, yeah. And I'll just say, uh, as far as your WWE to the boys comparison, I I guess that would make Charlotte Flair Starlight because Starlight's (sighs) unrecognizable now. (laughs) Um, hmm. I just hope she's okay. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on in her personal life. Uh, it's been a rough. Um, I don't know what. And again, she's been taking a drub it online, and we don't know what the whole story is. And she's not telling us, so it's going to lead to people speculating. But you, you make an apt comparison, and I'm not going to say yes or no. How about that? Yeah, I just throw it out there. You know. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Pink button time. It's Young Ed time. You're, you're at odds. Your exclusive home. For uh, young Ed of Hayabusa content. Hell yeah. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Hey, um, I just thought of something. And uh, when I was like 21, I remember talking about how, like, if I ever had, like, fuck you money, I would have a room set up in my house as just like an old video store. And, like, that's where I would keep, like, my vintage game collection and shit. Did uh, did you, before you knew how much life costs, did you have any, did you have any like dream plans like that of a home? Like I got to Adam, you have, you have a toy room. I guess that would be it. Right. That's pretty sweet. God, every morning seems awesome. Uh, yeah. Did you like, I don't know. How cool would that be? There's a room in your basement. This is set up like a nineties video store. Um, I am violently stoned. Uh, KYD. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ed makes a good point in that, like, I kind of am already doing that, but I, if I had a few money, I, it would be on a much grander scale. Like I would have like, here's the transformers room and it would be like the eighties vintage in box stuff. But you no, know, when I was a kid, it was probably the same stuff, but it was all like, out of box and like being played with, you know, like here's my GI Joe room that has the USS flag and you know, the technodrome or not technodrome, the terradrome, the Cobra thing. Terradrome. Uh, yes. Terradrome. Yeah. So like, it would probably be like, Oh, when I get, uh, I'm going to have all this stuff, but it probably wouldn't have been when I got older. I don't know. I just think I, I'm a, I'm a kid. So I have the toy room as, as Ed said, and the comic room. And so my dream then um, you know, it still sits in the back of my head and it just gets smaller and smaller as the years go on. And it's something that's actually very doable, but it costs a lot of time. It costs a lot of money and it costs a lot of upkeep. 
And, um, you know, I'll get like the broad stroke of it and then the narrow focus for like local people in our area, like myself and Adam and other people in the greater northeastern Pennsylvania area. Um, I would have like a room or a section of my house be an arcade, specifically uh, Dixon City Top Dog. Mm, okay. Like, the, like specifically 1991 dixon city top dog the carpets the exact games the layouts like street fighter would be here and pit fighter would be there and you know this like the ghostbusters thing would be here the these specific pinball games would be there like it would be the recreation of that down to the carpets down to the little area that's rised up where people could sit if they don't want to be right in with the video games um but again that narrow focused but there's people that I know there's even people that are like in my not immediate family that have that, that they're, you know, and again, it's a, a second cousin of mine. He does a flooring business, but his side thing is, is going and finding and refurbishing from original parts, old arcade games and selling them to those people that do that in their house. Yeah. And like, uh, our friend Derek has all like he has a room full of the one up machines, you know, like the the modernized arcade machines. And I think and that's, that's cool. cool yeah, um, I feel like my love of arcade stuff and I feel like there was probably a point where I was just like you where I was like, oh, I, I wish I had all this stuff in my house. But I that probably went away whenever we got to the point where consoles started to be better than the arcades. Because if you remember in 91, like if you were playing a game in the arcade and then it came out for the Nintendo or the Genesis or whatever, it was a pale comparison on the console. It was like a watered down version. But at some point in the 90s, it flip flopped where the consoles were at least as good. And any dream I had of having like an in-home arcade went away. I, that's the thing, man. Like it still sits there. Like it, I get you, but there's games that even still they tried and it's not exact like nothing beats playing killer instinct in the arcade right nothing like you you can come close not on a home console maybe on a one-up maybe on a mame machine maybe on some sort of emulation but you can't replicate wrestlefest at home without an arcade machine right yeah, no, WrestleFest is one of those where it was a great comparison because whatever the the at-home version of the game was, it might have right. been just like wrestling superstars or whatever, was just dog shit in comparison, you know? But there is no home console for pinball. You can't replicate Adam's Family. You can't replicate Indiana Jones. You can't replicate, you know, any of those classic Terminator 2. You cannot replicate any of those on a console. Or whatever you need that machine, and those machines cost money, and they c- require upkeep. And yeah. I'm a lazy, lazy man. <laughs> I think I'm more nostalgic for the places that the arcade machines were than I am for the arcade machines themselves. Like if you put all those machines in my house, yeah. I wouldn't care as much as if you said, "Okay, we're going to take you back to as you mentioned, Top Dog," or like late 80s Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. You know, like that. Like, if you could send me back to a Chuck E. Cheese of, like, that era, uh, where it was just all, like, arcade machines and not, like, it is now where it's, like, a Discovery Zone. Uh, like, I have a nostalgia for those types of places, but not so much the machines that were there. 
I, I got both. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Thanks, uh, so Dad. Thank you very much, Ed, for your call. Thank you, everyone, of course, for listening. Uh, thanks for supporting us in any way possible that you do. Uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. independentwrestling.tv. Uh, all the current independent wrestling is there for the most part. All of your favorite stars currently on TV absolutely have at least one match on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. Go find it. Use the promo code ADDODS. If you're a new subscriber, it lets Jerry know that you came to us or you came to him from us. And we get a little bit of a kickback if you keep your subscription with them. Uh, T Public Store is having a 35% off sale for this weekend. Uh, all the t-shirt designs inspired by this show, soon to be in network, other shows in the network. And you can get those designs on not just shirts, but like cell phone covers and notebooks and all sorts of shit. Like I said, 35% off until this upcoming Sunday. Uh, you can also support us by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. When you click on links to various merchants on the site to make purchases, this is going to result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. And I mention it here every week as well. Um, until we get closer, we're three months away from the uh, debut, the start of the LVAC 2024 season, May 11th at the Country Club Brewery, July 21st at the Mahoning Drive-In, August 6th at the Iron Pigs Stadium in Reading. Get your tickets now. No way the tickets aren't available yet, but mark those days off in your calendar. Ask for them off work. There's no reason for you not to be there. And if and when more shows get announced or stooged off to me, I'm going to stooge them off to you. All right. Speaking of stooging off, I'm going to stooge off these podcasts that you should listen to. And those those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, Hiya Bussy, and Final Wrestling Place. I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. <laughs> anabolic steroids is a logical next step. Steroids are awesome. I don't care what anybody says. Damn right. Our good friend the boar came up a little short this past weekend in his quest yeah. for the uh, NWA title, but um, he had it in his hands, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Next time. Ne Next time. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got. I listen. Um, what's that stupid meme with Jeremy Renner? It's like, don't tell me there's no hope. Is that what it is? Don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. Yeah. Yeah, don't give me hope on this one, guys. But here's what here's what I could give you hope for. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the hundred dollar Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> So Page. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Adam, I have to ask. Yeah. How many heels and faces Larry figures that comes packaged with a piece of garbage did you pre-order this week? Uh I pre-ordered one Larry with a free thrown in complimentary fill figure. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Between now and 
late 2025 when this thing comes out i'm sure i will decide that i no longer want it just like i did with the gargano that i still have on pre-order that still hasn't shown up um so like i pre-ordered it Uh, i'm sure it's a two-week pre-order i'm sure in two weeks and one day you're gonna see people in the major group being like oh man i just missed it anybody got one um so like i plan on banking on those types of people because it looks like shit like he legitimately looks like a little person it looks like swoggle's rush figure you know so it's (laughs) it's a bad figure wait wait a minute are we in golden time did we make the goal are you saying that a re- a representation of 2023-2024 Phil looks like shit? <laughs> so I think it's, mean, it's you mean it's 100% accurate then. <laughs> yes, it's a very accurate sculpt. Okay. It's just like when you look at any Hasbro like you have to have exaggerated features. Like even the skinny Hasbros like Rick Rude or uh like rick flair like the ones that were just like like very small compared to hogan and warrior like even they were jacked like they did him so dirty by just having him be so tiny and faint he looks like the chelsea retro uh chelsea uh figure that came out from one of those retro companies it's it's bad uh but hell i pre-ordered i don't care i'll make some money on somebody you know i'm sure you got one too right joe no but what did you buy this week, Joe? Uh, well, um, so I did, you know, I had to get a practical thing. Um, as you may or may not be aware, I am a fat fuck. And uh, this past Saturday, I ripped a pair of my jeans. So I needed to get some new jeans. And I had gotten intel from both uh, Big Dan Champ and John Thorne, name dropping here, that... <laughs> Target, uh, Target, like their brand jeans or whatever they have, um, are really good and really cheap and everything else like that. But they do not have the um, fat fuck size that they need for me. Now, granted, I'm a size down from my previous like time that I had to buy jeans, fat fuck, but I'm still not down enough to buy fat fuck jeans at Target. So I had to go and get my fat fuck jeans at Best or at uh, uh, Old Navy. Say a Best Buy. <laughs> yeah, I almost said Best Buy. It's right next to the Old Navy. Yeah. Um, up in my neck of the woods, and luckily the day that we went, it was like the entire store was fifty percent off. So I'm like, oh, I'll just buy like a bunch of fat fuck jeans, so I won't have to like cross this bridge like another time. But it's just like. It was just a giant, like, hole, like, ripped up the back of the pants when we were coming in from, like, running errands and doing chores and shit like that. And my wife's like, you have a giant rip in your jeans. How long have you been walking around like that? I'm like, I don't know, probably all day. Nobody looks at me, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Nobody it. I just got to buy some fuck jeans, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, I made an order of something last week. Um, Ringside was having uh, a Royal Rumble sale or maybe it was a Valentine's sale. I don't know. They were running a sale. And I decided I was going to buy the Three Faces of Foley box set. Oh, okay. And if you remember listening to uh, We Need Wrestling, I believe it was Brett who said he canceled his pre-order just because he couldn't justify, and rightfully so, uh, paying the the hundred bucks for basically three elites, yeah. and that was kind of the same boat that I was in. Uh, but they dropped it down to like eighty two for the set, 
Okay. So I kind of did the math. Well, I'm like, well, that's really just like $25 each plus tax and maybe like $4 shipping. So I'm like, okay, I can justify it. Cause I do want it. Cause the goal is to one day, you know, maybe at Pandora's box or whatever to get this set signed, just like, uh, the old Jack's three faces of fully set. Yeah. Back. You know what I'm saying? So I ordered it. Like I said, it was on sale. Free shipping because it was over 60 bucks, and it arrived today, Joe. I'm going to send you a picture oh, of no. what was sitting on my doorstep today. Oh, right. no. It, it, just wait till you get it. So in typical ringside fashion, uh, it was sent with no protection. It was literally yeah. sent in the sorting box from Mattel. As oh, you can boy. Yeah. Um, oh, the second picture's worse. Yeah, I don't know which one is the second for you, because one of them has the shipping label and one of them doesn't. Um, the one with the shipping label is worse. Yeah. So I got that, and I'm like, God fucking damn it, ringside. Like, this is... I get that I I chose the free shipping option because it was, like, 20 cents cheaper than doing, like, code major for 10%. Like, you know, you do the math to figure out which one's yeah. better. Um, so I chose free shipping and shame on me for thinking that they might, I don't know, throw it in a box. Right. So I opened it up after like an hour of being pissed off. Uh, and I was like, well, let's see how bad it is. And believe it or not, the side, the, the one picture that you're saying looks the worst, that was the backside of the figure box. Okay. Um, and there was nothing wrong with the backside of the box. So the the shipping box did its job. And on that one side. Now, if you look at the other image that I sent you, you'll see down by the barcode where it says Mattel. It's like a gouge thing. almost there's like in a the gouge. box. Yeah. So that is visible on the box. And it's on the front. But I need to ask you, as a, somebody who's less psycho than me. Because I'm crazy, so sometimes I have to have somebody step in and say, Adam, no, you're being uh, unreasonable, but I'm going to send you what it looks like, and should I be bothered enough to ask for a replacement based on this ding, considering my goal is to get this signed by Foley? Yes. Okay, so I'm not being crazy. Because that's the old, surprisingly, that is the only thing that's wrong with this entire set, is that little dick. I could live with that, but knowing you the way that I know you, I don't know if you could. Yeah. And I it think if you don't at least ask, it's going to haunt you. <laughs> this is true. But yeah, I mean, after tax and everything like this, it was just like close to, probably still close to, you know, or 87 bucks or whatever. I mean, like, fucking throw it in a box with... I'm not even asking for them to splurge on bubble wrap. I know that's pretty difficult for them. But, like, I'm putting it, this thing inside of another... Yeah! Ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I wanted you to weigh in, so I'll probably I'll probably message them tomorrow. I just want Yeah, to like I said, I, I think you need to message them just to get a definitive answer so that you could say, like, okay, I, I asked... And they said yes. I asked, and they said go fuck myself. Right. Well, I've I've had stuff completely mangled from ringside. Surprisingly, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but I've gotten stuff that's been damaged from ringside, 
and I've reached out and they've always replaced it. They make you send the one back first at their expense and then they send you the replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's to say if maybe something else happens to this box to make it worse, but you know, like, uh, but yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that like, if that was on the back, I probably wouldn't care, but it's on the front where like the signatures are going to be, you know? Yeah. So, and right. I could, I could argue that because it's like the black ish box, that it may not even be that noticeable in the grand scheme of things. But I would still send those pictures and ask for a replacement. Yeah. All right. I have one other thing, but do you have anything else? No, man, just uh, fat fuck jeans, and that was it. <laughs> um, I I was not in the market for this, but I was scrolling. Speaking of the major group, I was scrolling through today, and somebody put this up for sale. Um, are you familiar at all with the line of World Wrestling Entertainment cards called Fully Loaded, Joe? Uh, yes. All right. So Fully Loaded, as I'm sure you know, they come one one card per pack, and every single card is autographed. Correct. It's, so, it's a more uh, recent thing within the last like couple years, like when like card breaks and so forth became a thing. Yeah. Exactly. So somebody put this up in the major group. And just for those who don't know, those boxes are fully loaded when they're brand new. They're a hundred bucks a box. And you have just as much of a chance of like ripping it open and be like, oh, here's a here's a Mick Foley autograph. Or you might rip it open and be like, here's a Commander Aziz autograph. You know, so it's a complete crapshoot of what you just spent your $100 because you only get a card. Um, but somebody put this up in the major group. It is a Stacy Keebler fully loaded card. Oh, hey now. And it was 35 shipped. Woo! So I saw that go up. I checked the comps. Um, there are different rainbows of this card, like different numbered versions. Sure. Uh, but this is an unnumbered one. And the comps on eBay are like anywhere from 80 to 100 bucks. So I was like, I can't afford not to buy this for $35, Joe. <laughs> So I jumped on that. I said it's a deal. I can't. I can't resist a deal. Listen, you are the um, something something of Steve C. Keebler watch lists. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly on a list when it comes to her. Yeah, I was going to say you have her and her assorted merchandise on a, a watch list, and she has you on a watch list. <laughs> yep, this is true, but. Yeah, like I said, couldn't resist it at 35 shipped. You know, I wasn't looking for it. I saw somebody posted it. It had gone up like two hours prior, and like somebody commented, like, oh, tempting. And I was like, oh, that son of a bitch, I got to get this. So I just, I DM'd the guy. I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> so I assume somebody, like, they paid $100 for that Stacey Keebler card. They're flipping it for 35 But they probably went and bought like five or 10 or 20 of them. And they, you know, obviously you're buying more. So, like, I could take a $65 hit on a Stacey Keebler because maybe in the 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 that I could bought, I got Stone Cold. Yeah. And I could flip Stone Cold for a grand. And that just paid for, you know, 10 of these. Yeah, it's the averages, I guess, you know. Or or this person might have bought it, you know, from eBay and then is just flipping it to not flipping it and then make money way but just the hey i need the money i'm just gonna get some fast cash you know you never know but uh that is uh, the the scenario that you painted 
uh, is generally how these operate, where they're just they're fishing for the big money cards. They're believe it or not, they're looking for the Vince McMahon autograph because that was up until a couple weeks ago mm. one of the more expensive fully loaded cards, and um, you know those are the ones that are the the gems in there as opposed to you know some other people like that. Like I don't know, Stacy's awesome, but like I guess people don't want her autograph as much as your Stone Colds, right? Yeah, I I could argue that he, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, but today he's a bigger star than she is. Yeah, eh, just barely. I mean, I've seen them both do a beer bash together, and I think Stacy looked better doing it. Uh yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, but that's all I have for weekly purchases, Joe. I got to ask you though. Uh oh. Do you by any chance have a jingle on the soundboard for when somebody's pretty pissed off? I do. Joe, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I have to do this to you. Me? To you. Oh, not Nothing against you, but I have to talk about sports, not the wrestling type, oh, not geez. the sports and entertainment. I have to talk about regular sports, so I do apologize to you, and I apologize to anybody else who doesn't care about that, who hasn't already tapped out during the toy talk, but I've got a goddamn bone to pick because sometime during this show, I got rattled because I got a notification on my phone that Miles fucking garrett of the goddamn cleveland browns won the defensive player of the year in the nfl over tj watt who was clearly the better defensive player this year so joe i have some stats for you and i want you to kind of you don't have to keep track like write anything down but i want you to keep a mental note okay i'm gonna run some stats down for you all right right. and these are all watt versus garrett stats so sacks for this year, Watt has more than Garrett. Okay, I'm not going to give you the, the numbers, but just trust me. So, Sachs, <laughs> Watt has more. Oh, okay, I'll do it. Watt has 19, Garrett has 14. Quarterback hits, Watt has 36, Garrett has 30. Uh, for those people in Cleveland, I'll spell it out for you. That's a smaller number. Uh, tackles for loss, Watt has 19, Garrett has 17. Forced fumbles, hey, they had the same amount at four. Okay. Interceptions. Watt has one. Garrett has zero. Defensive touchdowns. Watt has one. Garrett has zero. Pressures on the quarterback. Watt has 50. Garrett has 37. That's per pro football uh, reference, by the way. Uh, Per a statistician company called SIS, I've never heard of pressures. They also have Watt with more. Um, And I'm just going to scroll down because it's Watt, 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 Watt. There is one thing that Miles Garrett did better this year than TJ Watt. And it's a little stat called pass rush win rate. Joe, do you know what that is? Not a fucking clue. I've been watching football as a diehard since I was like 12 years old. I've never heard of it, but apparently Garrett's much better than TJ Watt at this thing. So I had to go look into what this thing is, Joe. What this means is when you are a defender and you're attempting to pass by the offensive line, you're following me so far, right? Uh, It's called your win rates. So let's say you're Miles Garrett and you blow by the guy who's defending you, 
but then you accomplish nothing. You don't tackle the guy with the ball. You don't sack the quarterback. Hell, the offense can score a touchdown, but it doesn't matter because you have a high win rate. So Miles Garrett, even though he never accomplishes anything when he gets past the guy who's blocking him, actually gets past the blockers more than T.J. Watt. So T.J. Watt, who I don't know, accomplishes things, hits the quarterback more, make, gets the fumbles more, interceptions more, touchdowns, pretty much everything. Uh, those don't matter because win rate matters. So I don't know if this is like Miles Garrett's Make-A-Wish or if like all of the people in Cleveland gathered up all their massive wealth and put together a $250 bribe to bribe the sports writers who picked this award. <laughs> but it's bullshit. It's absolutely ridiculous that the hands-down best defensive player of the year possibly even of the last decade got snubbed because the writers were like, well, I guess we got to give old miles a shot. Like it's like a participation trophy. Everybody gets a shot at the defensive player of the year. You don't have to be the best player in the league. It's just whose turn is it? Is this the women's WWE championship? It's like everybody eventually gets a run with it. If you stay in the company long enough, like that's what the defensive player of the year award is. It's bullshit. TJ Watt is the best player in NFL and defense this year. Uh, and the win rates, ridiculous. I'm fucking pissed. It, 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 is TJ Watt of the Steelers, Adam? It's irrelevant who he plays okay. for, Joe. It's okay. irrelevant. Um, now, again, I know you're making a joke saying it's a participa- participation trophy. Everybody gets a chance to be the defensive player of the year. Has TJ Watt won this uh, award before? Uh, He has won it before. Uh, Let me just paint a picture for you, Joe. He has deserved to win it four times now. Okay. There have been four seasons where he was statistically the best NFL uh, defensive player, uh, but they only bothered to give the best defensive player in the league in TJ Watt the award once. So obviously there's there's more uh, to getting this award than statistics. Yeah, I guess uh, when they decide who gets the award, they're just like, hmm, I feel in my gut that this guy was the best player. I don't have any proof, but mm. we're just going to give it to like Aaron Darnold or something like that. It's always just somebody who like the, the, the press decided, oh, this guy's the sexy pick for the award this year. Even though, I don't know, on-field accomplishments should still amount to something. I don't so, you know, obviously I, I have to take you at your word in regards to these stats. You know, I'm not going to look them up and I wouldn't even know the first way to do so. But one would imagine. Um, and th- who's this man of the Browns that won it? What's his name? Miles Garrett. <laughs> Has he won this award before? He hasn't. OK, I'm just trying to get. So what I think the, the key is, obviously, you're not going to be able to affect Miles Garrett's performance. You're not going to be able to affect T.J. Watt's performance. But what you, Adam, can do is you, in your free time, could try to get into whoever this group is that picks these uh-huh. so that for next year you could skew the results so that <gasps> T.J. Watt wins. Since obviously the actual on-field performance doesn't matter. It just yeah. matters of like who in this pool of you know that you claim. It's like these po- this pool of sports writers just arbitrarily pick someone at random to be the defensive player of the year. You just need to get in that pool of sports writers and skew things from there. 
That does seem like a foolproof plan. I just need to, between now and the end of next football season, get into sports broadcasting, uh, then have like a 15-year career to the point where I could be accepted onto like the board that decides these things within the next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they just let you get hired. <laughs> they don't have the 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 coffee guy intern uh, vote on the 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 awards. I think they, you got to be somebody in that uh, that business. Although clearly they don't need to know anything about the sport, so that's a good you know one up for me uh, because they just arbitrarily pick somebody. But yeah, I don't think I can make it on there between now and realistically whenever Watts' career is over. Now maybe. You might not be able to get into the uh, writer's pool, but maybe you could befriend one of the writers mm. and influence him that way. Mm. That's that's not a bad idea. All right. Just, All just right. find out who these writers are. And again, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going the positive route, but you could do your due diligence if you had a lot, a lot of free time on your hands. And find out which of these writers uh, pulled for T.J. Watt and which ones did not. And then maybe, uh, you know, go go have a conversation with the ones that didn't, right? Yeah, it'd be like, oh, it'd be, it'd be a shame maybe, if something happened to you. Yeah, just, and again, just persa- persuade them <laughs> for next year. Yeah, I think that's much more of a, of a reasonable, like, obtainable goal than getting yeah. out to the actual board, yeah. All right. Well, that's something to work on for next year. But oh man, I'm fucking hot. And then, like again, all the, like Browns fans. I wonder if any of them have stuck around this long in the show to hear this. But like, uh, they're just like, well, look, uh, we've always gone by win rate of pressure of quarterback. Like the like everybody like go back to the old days of the like the steel curtain and the the you know, the eighty six Bears. They the, that's all they talked about was was win rates like sacks. Psh, that's a new thing. Touchdowns. Nobody cares about touchdowns. It's all about win rate. Like they're such fucking phonies. Now I, I'll just say this. You know, I'm not a sports guy by any stretch of the imagination. But if I was uh, one of these people that determined this, yeah. um, I-, I would give my vote for Defensive Player of the Year to the person who hurt the most opposing players. <laughs> Intentionally uh, or intentionally? Yeah. If you, well, then like, Miles Garrett should have gotten it like a couple years ago when he tried to kill Mason Rudolph with a football helmet on the field. I, that's 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 a plus in his column, Adam. It, it's true. If they gave it to him that year, I'd have no argument, Joe. Okay. Because you attempt a murder on the field, you're the best defensive player on the, in the NFL right there. Unless maybe, somebody else like does it better. Maybe this is like the Academy Awards when they'll give like best oh, director, I'm, I'm, best actor, best actress to someone, you know, who's been nominated multiple times in the past. And like yeah. maybe they got snubbed in the past and like, OK, maybe their performance in Madam Web wasn't the best. <laughs> probably was. But we're going to give them the Academy Award for their performance in Madam Web because we had snubbed them in something that they were in before. Yeah, this is like giving Scorsese an award for The Departed because they got snubbed for Casino. Type Exa- there you go. That's I, yeah. Your example works. You know, Casino, uh, The Departed, Madam Web, all, you know, similar caliber of films, you know. That's true. I think we'll leave it at that because I got strong Batman 89 vibes coming from this whole conversation. So I just want to leave this on a good vibe. (laughs) All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, This was episode 279 of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, For Adam, this is Joe saying 
be safe out there, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.